Welcome to Crosspoint Community Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. While you are there, you can learn more about who we are as a church, see the time and locations of our weekend gatherings, and see the different reoccurring ministries that happen on a weekly basis. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. So this morning, uh, we are, we're kind of starting a new series called Patterns, and Travis kind of stepped into that last week and kind of um, walked through that a little bit, but um, as we start this year, uh, I want to kind of just try and set things up a little bit that as we go through this year, I guess our, our goal for the, this year, uh, 2020, is that at the end of the year, you will be able to more clearly see Jesus and apply his mind and heart to all the things that you encounter. And I, and I know it's difficult because we live in a world where things are difficult. We live in a world where things are dark and, and everything, everywhere we turn, it just seems negative and bad. But I think as we are transformed, as, as God moves in us and through us, even in those times where things seem dark and things are dark, we can see God's presence and his, and his fingerprints really clearly in the people and in the world around us. So in light of that, as, and as Travis said last week, we're beginning the year identifying some patterns that, that God has designed in his words. We're gonna be looking uh, through the first few chapters of Genesis and seeing some patterns that God sets up in his word and how those reoccur over and over again and really what we can learn from those. It's my prayer that in familiarizing ourselves with these patterns, you, you and I will recognize God's fingerprints in our lives and in the world around us more frequently, that we'll be able to see that more clearly. And so maybe some of you are saying, okay, so what, what is this thing that's this idea of, of patterns? Uh, a pattern is something that's repeated over and over again. And patterns are all around us in life. Uh, formal dances are patterns. On New Year's Eve, we were at some friend's house and and uh, we played this game called reverse charades. And it's where uh, your, your whole team does the action and only one person guesses. And so I was on a team and we were doing, we were doing these reverse charades and, and, and the word that came up was waltz. And I was standing by Lloyd Kaufman and immediately he turned to me and went like this. And I panicked and said, I don't know what to do. And, and I was just stricken with fear because I, I don't know if I was really committed to waltzing with Lloyd. Um, in that moment. And, and so it, it turned out okay. We lived through it, and they guessed waltz really fast, which I was super relieved. Um, but, but, you know, I, for me, it, dancing is not something that I do, because if you were to see me dance, you would probably you'd be concerned that I was having a seizure. So not one of my strong suits. Um, but again, there's patterns in, in formal dances. There's patterns in Poetry and song lyrics, generally they follow this pattern of rhyming words or, or repetitive imagery. We see that even in some of the songs that we sing here at church, this repetitive imagery to help us see uh, what, what, we're, what we're trying to see. Uh, we see patterns, there's decorative patterns, uh, like polka dot or plaid or stripes that we see. And, and really patterns are everywhere we live. And so in the, in, the, in, the, in the world around us, in the natural world around us, we see these patterns. Well, it would make sense that God, as the designer of the world, 
that there would be patterns that he sets up. And so really a, a, a biblical pattern, uh, these are recognizable when we as, as the reader of God's word sees a spiritual truth in maybe one part of the Bible and then we see it repeated in similar ways in another place. And one of the things we have to recognize and remember is that when God says something, it's important. When God continuously repeats something, it's something that you really need to take note of. Uh, in, in, in Genesis chapter 40 and 41, we, we see uh, the, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, who's having these dreams, and he has this dream, a couple different dreams, and he calls Joseph to come and interpret his dream for him because Joseph is known as, as great and as a, as a dream interpreter. And so Joseph comes, and, and, and it's interesting because Pharaoh has a couple different dreams that, that God is trying to, to drive home the same point and the same message. And so in uh, chapter 40, verse 32, uh, Joseph says to him, and the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. In other words, Joseph says, because you, you're, God is being repetitious with you, God's repeating himself through different dreams. It's not the same dream, but they mean the same thing and God wants you to get the point. And so when God establishes a pattern in his word, we should take note of that and we should recognize that and, and, and see how that affects us. And see, I think one of the, there's, there's a few ways that I think recognizing these biblical patterns in scripture will benefit you and benefit me. Um, first, I think as we recognize and see these biblical patterns, we can better understand God and our relationship with him because it's how he, how he interacts. It's how he, he, he interacts with us, that, that God is very purposeful in his interaction with us. Everything that God does has purpose and it's, it's to help us understand our relationship with him and how we interact with those around us. Another thing that I think this, this study of some biblical patterns will help with is that we, we can better know God's character and how to be like him. Because you see, these patterns reveal all kinds of things about God's character, who he is, and his character, and how we can reflect that character. And then maybe a third thing that, that will be helpful for us as we walk through this study is that we can better understand much of our struggles our failures, our growth, and our victories as plotted on some of these biblical pattern maps. That, that maybe the, the, the things that you've struggled with or failures that you've experienced or the growth that you've had or victories you've had, that, that on these, in these biblical patterns, they're almost like maps that you can kind of point and say, okay, this is similar to what I'm experiencing and I can learn a little bit about myself and understand better where I am and how I'm to respond to this and how God wants me to grow through this by looking at these patterns. And so this morning, we're, we're, we're gonna be in Genesis chapter one and we're gonna actually look at some other places where this Genesis chapter one pattern is repeated, but, but it's the pattern of creation and blessing. That essentially God creates an environment and then he fills, fills those environments with his creation. And in Genesis one, we see the last of which being humankind whom he puts in the land that he's created and he blesses them. God's character is creative and his nature is to bless. 
And, and we want to be careful as we talk through this, and I don't want anyone to get mixed up or confused that this idea of, of God's creating and blessing is this idea that, that is contained in the prosperity gospel, which is the idea that God just always wants you happy and you to have as much as you can possibly have. And that's not, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about creation and blessing. We really, it's talking about God blessing us with salvation, with transformation, and bringing us to a place where we can be more like him and, and all the people around us who we come into contact with will receive those same blessings of hope and joy and a future and peace and grace and all those things. And, and so, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter one. Um, shouldn't be real hard to find. Genesis chapter one, verse one. That's where we're gonna start. And uh, the whole Bible begins with this. Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and I want you to remember the wording there because we'll kind of come, we'll kind of circle back to it. That, that the whole Bible starts with, with this phrase, in the beginning. And that's where we start. And, and, and it's significant because in the beginning, there, there's, there's something about that that, that we'll, we'll get to in, in a few minutes. But, but in the beginning, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so it sounds like as God created, God created um, all, all the, this, this place, essentially, this environment. And, and, it, and it sounds, at least in the first couple verses, that it was, there was a little bit of chaos because it just says it was without form, it was void. So it was just kind of this place. And if you, if you wanna kind of track along with this, imagine if um, you bought like a fixer-upper, okay? You, you, need, you wanted a house, but you didn't have a ton of money or a ton of uh, collateral, and so you buy a fixer-upper. Um, growing up, my mom's favorite movie was this movie called The Money Pit, had Tom's Hanks and like everything that could go wrong with this house did and they tried to get out of it. Well, we got a fixer-upper and you go in and you, and, and, you know, and sometimes you go into a fixer-upper and it's just in chaos and it's a mess. But, but it's something that, that you have this vision for. And so it says in the beginning, God created. And then we see the days of creation as God begins this, this, this process of creating something and then filling it with the things that he wants to be in that. And so in, in verse three, in verse three we, we pick up and it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good. One of the things that we'll see repeated in Genesis chapter one is this word good over and over again. It's the Hebrew word tov and God uses this in relation to his creation, meaning that it is good, it is beautiful, it is perfect, it is, it is everything it needs to be. It fulfills its purpose in the best way possible. And so here, and here he says, and saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. So the first day, God, God begins to fill this room he created with, with something. He fills it with light and he says, and I'm gonna separate the light from the dark and have morning and evening. And he says, it's good. And then the second day, it says in verse six, it says, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And so it was. 
And God called the expanse heaven and, and there was evening and morning on the second day. It's interesting, on that second day, he, he doesn't say he looked and saw that it was good. It doesn't mean that it was bad, but I don't know if God like lost track of the days. This is just my thinking. That, that maybe he was like, oh, I forgot to say good on the second day. And so the third day, actually, he says good twice. So he like catches up. And so, so he does this. And then we see in verse, in verse nine, he says, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And, so, and it was so. So God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas, and God saw that it was good. I don't know, maybe that's a makeup good from the last day. And then he continues in this day of creation and says, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning on the third day. And then he goes to the fourth day and he says, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. As you think about this creation narrative, think about that idea of, of you have this, this house and you've, you, you, what you're doing is, is you're, you're basically working through this. You're, you're, you're furnishing it. You've, you know, as you think about the days of creation, you go into this room and this house and now it's empty. You've cleared all the stuff out and you've separated things that need to be separated. You've painted the walls and you've done flooring and, and, and now you're starting to put some, some maybe furniture into the house. And so he keeps going. And he says, he says and, then, and then after the fourth day, on the fifth day, he says, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. This is an interesting thing because it's a new thing that he, that he says. This is very repetitive, but there's little new things introduced. And this is the first time he says, and multiply and be fruitful. And he says, and he says cover the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. And so that, again, that, that creation was good as he's doing this kind of filling this environment that he's created with creations. And in verse 24, it says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And here's where there's a significant shift and a change in the text. 
Because see, up to here, God has been, he's, he's created this environment. It's like you, you, got a, you, you built a house and, and so now you've, you've painted, you've, the drywall's up, you've painted and you've put flooring in and you've put some furniture, you've put a couch and some chairs and a table and a lamp and, and, and you've, you've started to put some pictures. You've put some things that represent you in the house. You've, you've put some pictures. Maybe there's some family heirlooms that you've put in certain places in this room and so you're filling the room, but, but you would say, okay, what's missing from a house? If, if that was just a house, you've got everything in there, but, but what's missing from it? Well, it's people. It's the people who are in habit that make a house a home. And so there's this shift in Genesis chapter one in verse 26, and it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He didn't say that about anything else that he was creating in this environment. He didn't say, you know, uh, and, and, and he made fish that swarm and he made them after his own likeness. It doesn't say that. It says only when it comes to this moment of humankind does he say, let us make something that actually reflects us. Everything up to this point re- reflects God's creativity, but all of a sudden we've got something that he creates that reflects his nature. See, the created order doesn't reflect God's nature, it reflects his, character, his, his creativity. But we reflect his nature. And so it says, and then he goes on, not only does he say, let us make man in our image after our likeness, but he says, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, of the, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Again, something very different. He didn't say to the plants to have dominion over all the earth. He didn't say to the livestock to have dominion over all the earth. He didn't say to the birds of the air to have dominion. He says, let this creation that we've created in our own image and in my likeness, have dominion over all the other things we put in the house. Just like when the family moves into a house, the family has dominion over the house. You never hear the toaster saying, okay, I've got a list of things that need to get done today, Um, which I would maybe sometimes prefer the toaster's list to other lists. But, 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 but that's how it works. And so God says, and let them have dominion. And so in verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, multiply and fill the earth, which we've heard just a few verses ago when he was talking, to the, talking about the sea creatures, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But then he says something he didn't say to the sea creatures. And he says, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, and so he says this thing uh, and subdue it. In other words, see, God's intent with creation in the Garden of Eden. God created the whole planet, yet he created this garden, this environment, and he filled it with all of these things that he said were all good. And his intent with that then in putting humankind in that garden was to say, okay, now you see what I've done? Because I made you in my image and in my likeness, and I've placed you there to subdue and have dominion, I want you to grow the garden to the, to the far reaches of the earth. 
See, that was God's intent with the Garden of Eden. It wasn't just supposed to be a garden in one little localized spot. It was supposed to cover the entire planet. And God was gonna use humankind in their obedience to him and in the reflection of him and in their likeness of him to grow the garden across the entire globe. But we know from reading ahead that there was disobedience and sin and that didn't quite work out the way God designed it to work out because of man's sin. And, and, and so we see, we see God saying, have dominion over these. And, and so in verse 29, it says, and God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I've given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, now again, we've got this good, 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 but then we get to the sixth day at the end of it after he creates humankind, Adam and Eve, it says, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. And so God says of his creation and what he did in this, and again, in our minds that maybe brings it to something that's maybe a little more, a little easier to wrap our minds around this house that we have and we've cleared out the clutter, we've done all the details and now we move into the house and we say, this is very good. Because everything was good before, but once you put that image bearer into it, then it's very good. And so then God, as we know, rests on the seventh day. And so the pattern that we see in Genesis chapter one that God establishes in the very first chapter of the Bible is that God creates an environment, and we'll call that God's place. God creates a place. And that place, God's place, was the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter one. That's what he created, and, and he, there's the details of what he created in this place and how he furnished it and how he prepared it for what I would call God's people. He creates humanity. And so God's people in this pattern is Adam and Eve. And they're different by nature and characteristic from the environment, the place that he created, because again, the environment reflected God's creating, but mankind, humankind, men and women reflect God himself. And then he labels it as good and blesses it, blesses humankind in the environment that he created, which is God's blessing. He says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Extend my blessing, what I've done, the good that I've done, extend it to the far corners of the earth. And God's blessing is most clearly seen in, in the realm of perfect relationships because see, God blessed them and, and humankind and God had a perfect relationship there in the garden, in, the, in God's place. God's people had a perfect relationship with him. There was a perfect relationship between man and woman. Like, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> and then there was also, though, a perfect relationship between man and the environment, there's this perfect working together. And, and so, so God's blessing was seen in, in the perfection of relationships. And so this is a pattern we see throughout scripture that God's place, he creates a place. God's people, he brings a people. And God's blessing, he blesses what? 
he created. And so to, to, to think about it in a, in a visual way and like a way that you can, almost a, formula, a formulamatic way, uh, it's God's place, God's people, and God's blessing. And so if, if, turn to Genesis chapter 12 to see this again, because again, if, if, if Genesis 1 is a pattern that God sets, that means we'll see it more than once. We'll see it repeated throughout scripture. So in Genesis 12, Starting in verse, in verse one, we, we come to the place where God is calling Abram out and, 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 and making Abram a people. And so in, in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse one, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In these three verses in chapter 12 of Genesis, we see almost a a, a reflection, a repetition of Genesis chapter one. Because God comes to Abram, and God's place is Canaan. He says, I want you to go to a place that I'll show you. And the place that God had prepared and, and was gonna show Abram was Canaan. That was God's place. And then, and then God's people was Abraham and the descendants that he promised he would give them who would eventually become the people of Israel. And so God's place was Canaan in, in Genesis 12. God's people was Abraham and his descendants. And then God's blessing, he says, I will make you a great nation. I will give you a great name. And he says, every family in the world will be blessed through you. Just like God said to, to Adam and Eve, I want, you to, I want you to subdue the earth. In other words, I want you to take, and I want you to take this blessing here, and I want it to extend to the entire earth. And then he says to Abram, and he says, and through you I will bless every family on earth. And so we see this pattern in Genesis 12, 1. Uh, Jump to to Revelation 21. We started this morning in the first chapter, and we're going to jump to one of almost the last chapter. Revelation 21. Again, if if this is a pattern, if this really is something significant, then then we're going to see it repeated throughout throughout the, the Bible. And, and, so, and so here in, in, in Revelation 21, John writes of this vision that he sees. And so in verse one of 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and, he, and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down for the words are trustworthy and true. So here, Revelation 21, God's place. Again, you look at that that pattern that God is establishing in his word. So what is God's place in Revelation 21? 
It's the new heaven and the new earth. Who are God's people in Revelation 21? We see that in verses two two to four. It's those who've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And what is God's blessing in Revelation 21? It's that God will make all things new. And so we see this pattern in Genesis 1 and in Revelation 21 and in Genesis 12, and we see it repeated throughout the Bible over and over of God's place and God's people and God's blessing. Turn to John chapter 1. And we've kind of gone ends, and now we're going to the middle. (laughs) John chapter 1. I want you to see something in, in how this pattern almost the the behind the curtain of this pattern. Something that that is kind of cool and exciting because, you see, we started in Genesis 1 where God establishes this pattern. And do you remember how Genesis 1 verse 1 starts? Well, look at John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning. So that's not just a coincidence that John 1 starts with in the beginning and Genesis 1 started with in the beginning. There's there's something there about that repetition and those words to say, hey, we're starting in John chapter 1 and and John writes in the beginning that you should say, hey, that's familiar. I remember that wording. I remember those words being used somewhere else. And at the very, at the very first book and, and, and chapter and verse, God says, in the beginning, God created. And in John chapter one, verse one, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. It's, you see, the, the Holy Spirit moves John to write that as he moved Moses to write that back in Genesis to say, hey, there's a connection here. You should connect John chapter one with Genesis chapter one. And so John writes, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And so what we see is is God's place in this pattern is made through the work of Jesus Christ. That it says nothing was made without Jesus. The word in in this passage in John is Jesus Christ himself. So, so we go back and we say, okay, that pattern, God's place, God creates a place. And who does he create that place through? He creates it through Jesus Christ. And, and then, and then we, we jump down a few, few verses to verse 10. And, and John writes in verse 10, he says, he, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So God's place was created through Jesus Christ. God's people are redeemed through Jesus Christ. The people that Abram, who was chosen by God, was, re, was made new, was forgiven, was redeemed by Jesus Christ. And, and so God's people are redeemed through Jesus Christ. And so, and so we see that pattern behind the pattern and Jesus' role in that pattern. And then just look at verse five, or uh, look at verse, verse 16 and 17. John writes, from, for from his fullness... 
We have, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So God's blessing is that grace comes through Jesus Christ. And so you see the person of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ through all of these things in this pattern that God establishes in Genesis chapter one. That Jesus is, is, is all things are created through Jesus. God's people are, are redeemed through Jesus and God's blessing of grace to us is through Jesus. And so you see this pattern over and over in scripture. And I don't know, I don't know how many of you uh, ever watch HGTV but there's this show on HGTV called Love It or List It. Anyone ever see that show? Yeah, some of you have. Yeah, so, so Love It or List It, it's this thing where they come into this, they, they, there's these two people, a realtor and a designer, and they, they show up at somebody's house, and basically this couple is, is fighting over what they're gonna do with their house because they got their house maybe at one point and they were happy there, and one of them is still happy there and they love their house even though it's not really working the way it needs to be working for their family. The other one kind of is like, I just wanna move somewhere else and find a house that fits our needs. And so the realtor's job is to go and find find a house and convince them to go to that house and the designer's job is to re redesign their ho current house and make it so that they love their house again and that they stay there. And uh, at the end of the show, every time, the realtor has shown them a handful of houses and then after the designer gets done with the house and it's all finished, they, they bring the couple back in and, and the designer or, or the realtor says, okay, he says, I have one more listing to show you. And then he says, it's your house, and this is the value of your house now that it's been redone. And so a little nerdy here, but I have one more design pattern to show you, okay? <laughs> I have one more pattern to show you this morning, and we're going to call it Modesto 2020. Because, you see, not only are these patterns, these aren't just patterns on the pages of Scripture, but these are patterns that move and God works in our lives, and so Modesto 2020 is that God's place that he created is cross point. God created this church. It's his church. And he, he created this environment. He created this place and, and he put certain things into it. And God's people are you and I. God created this place and he brought you and put you here. Just like he put Adam and Eve in the garden just like he took Abram to Canaan, just like he, he takes the redeemed and places them in the new heaven and the new earth. God has placed you here at Cross Point. And God's blessing? Well, God's blessing is what he's teaching us about him and us and, and us and others. You see, God put great thought and care and intention into the place that he has set you in. It's not a mistake that you're here this morning. It's not a mistake that you're part of this community because God created this place and he put you here and his blessing is, is the community that he surrounded you with. That he, he brought you out of your sin and has offered forgiveness and if you've surrendered then to Jesus, then you're forgiven and you're made new. Everything God does is good and is purpose to bring fulfillment to everyone you come in contact with. And so, and so it's blessing. And so wherever you are and you're here 
God wants to bring his hope and his salvation and his joy to those around you. He chooses that to do, he chooses to do that through you. Just like he says to Abram that through you, I will bless every family on the earth. God says to us here in the place that he created, Crosspoint, and the people that he's brought together, us, he says, and I will bless all the families of Modesto through you. That's actually what God wants to do. That's God's intent with us. If you're kind of saying, well, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what my place is. I don't know what I should do. I don't know if I have a purpose. Well, here's what your purpose is. God created this place for you and he put you here and he says, I want you to bless every family in Modesto. I want them to be blessed through you because of what he's doing. You see, that's the pattern we see in scripture and that's the pattern he has us in. I don't know if you enjoy going to work in the morning or to your job, but see, God created that job, that place for you and he placed you there so that not only has he blessed you with salvation and forgiveness and hope and joy and peace, but he wants you to pass that on to those in the place he created for you to work. If you're going to school and you're, maybe you're going back to college after, after Christmas break, God created that place for you to go and he's put you there to be a blessing to those regardless of what school it is. You see, this all relates back to us and it works in us. You see, Patterns we see in God's word play out in our lives by helping us to see ourselves as God sees us and give us a greater understanding of what we are here to do. And this pattern of creation and blessing, I think, clarifies so much about our life's purpose, about who we are and what we're called to do. And here's what I would say is maybe some homework for you this week. It's thinking about this formula of God's place, God's people, God's blessing, thinking about God's place. Where has God placed you? I mean, I know I said he's placed you here, but what else has he done? Where has he placed you? Maybe you're struggling in the place that you're in and you haven't seen God's fingerprints all around you. Where has God placed you? And then, and then God's people, I think the question that, that you have to kind of wrestle with is, is, are you surrendered to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus asking for forgiveness for your sins and said, I want to be transformed, to be more like you, and that you've surrendered your life to Jesus? Are you God's people? <laughs> are you part of God's, is, is what, what he says in John chapter one, that, that you, if, if you recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior and you surrender to him, then he makes you his child. And finally, God's blessing. How has God shown up in your life? And how can you reflect God's work in you to others? How can you take the blessings that God has done, his forgiveness and his love and his grace, his peace and his joy, his perseverance, all of those things, how can you then bless those around you with what he's done in you. I wanna invite the uh, Rancho Santa Marta team to come up here on stage. So if you're uh, one of the people who are going on the uh, trip down to uh, Rancho Santa Marta in a few weeks, I want you to come up here. And I wanna, I wanna kinda give you another example of this pattern that God has designed that he keeps doing over and over again. Santa Marta is a, is a community in, in Mexico and uh, 30 years ago, God created a place. 30 years ago, God began to create a place through the vision of one person. 
to make a place for the orphans who didn't have much of anything, to create medical facilities, to create a school, to create all these things to point people toward Jesus. And so God began to create a place called Rancho Santa Marta in Santa Marta, Mexico. And then God placed a people there, those people who he gave the vision for this ministry, and the people who are standing behind me today, who many of them have gone for years and years. And, and so God created a people to put in that environment, in that place called Rancho Santa Marta. And then God's blessing. God is taking these people over in a couple of weeks, and he's sending these people to the place that he created because these are his people, and he's sending them to go and bless those who are in Rancho Santa Marta. Do you see the pattern? It's just like Genesis 1. It's just like Genesis 12. It's just like Revelation 21. And these people can go and do what they're gonna do because Jesus has created, redeemed, and blessed them, given them grace so that they can go and bless others, that every family in Santa Marta can be blessed through them. Do you see how this pattern plays out over and over and over again? What an awesome thing to see. And so, so don't take this lightly because, because God does it over and over again. It's something to take notice of. And so I'm gonna pray for these people who are going to Rancho Santa Marta. And I'm gonna pray for us. And I wanna ask the prayer team to come forward. And after I pray, if, if you need somebody to pray for you this morning, if you've been struggling with things, if, if you need to talk to someone, I would encourage you to come up after I pray. So prayer team, go ahead and come forward. And I'm gonna pray. Father, we, we come before you this morning. And God, I thank you for these people who are up here on stage with me. I thank you, God, that you saw fit to create an environment in a place that there was little hope 30 years ago. God, that you made Rancho Santa Marta your place. And God, you raised up people there and you raised up people here to be your people in that place. And Father, I thank you for the blessings that have happened over the years, the, 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 the sins that have been forgiven, the, the, the salvation that's been, been found in, in the transformation of lives that have happened of families and communities. Father, I thank you for the blessing that you've done in that place through these people. And so, Father, I pray as they go out that they would recognize that they are part of a bigger pattern that you've established in the very beginning with the power of Jesus in their lives to go and, and, to, and to, to bring your blessing in a tangible and significant way. Father, I pray for us here at Crosspoint, God, as you have, have created this place for us and that you have called us as your people and you've called us to be that blessing, to, to, to pass that blessing that you've given us on. I pray that you would give us confidence and boldness that every family in Modesto would be blessed through this church and these people that you've called and you've brought to yourself. God, I pray that, that we would not soon forget and that, God, you would help our eyes to be open to this pattern, not only in your word, but in our lives as we follow you, as we serve you. And so, Father, I thank you for this morning and the way that you've spoken to us. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.